Wild. Time for a start show. Struggle to feed audience. Your move silently and hide checks are successful. Good evening, lords and ladies. You have chosen your evening's entertainment quite wisely. You are about to experience the most wondrous spectacle in all of Western Scott Hallier. I am your host proprietor, Romandes Warvinde, and I welcome you to the Twenty Sided Theatre. Dancing lights! <laughs> Last we left my insufferable bastards, they had just traversed the astral plane to a non-place called the Citadel of the Rising Suns. There we found that we were still engaged with the game and trial structure of the arena of our crap. I'm pretty sure we bested all of their contests, but I'd still rather not die to see if I wake up in a cell, so that theory hasn't been tested. In any case, we met some elemental emissaries and received a brief history of the Grand and Holy Empire of Veladros and the Wathens. Apparently, the ancestors of the humans and elves who first united to form the Empire had struck a bargain with the elementals. If the elementals would agree to aid the pre-imperials in their struggle against Mayase, the mother of weapons, then the Empire would in turn hunt down the rogue wind-come-chaos elementals that would someday be known as the Hungering End. After our history lesson had come to its close, the emissary of the Plane of Air opened a doorway through which spilled the warm, rosy light of dawn. Lords and ladies of my beloved audience, please do now adjust your listening devices to capture the full stereophonic scryocastic selection of sounds that is this evening's feature episode, The Gates of Dawn, Part 4, The Way Home. I cannot tell you what novel landscape awaited us. Would that I could describe a vaporizing corona in all its fiery majesty, or a great hall of burnished bronze, or gates inlaid with pearl. But in all honesty, all before me was white. I could not shut out the light, regardless of my intestinal fortitude or the girth of my arm. Shortly, the infinite light receded, or perhaps we all regained our physical forms at the precise moment that a man carrying a clutch of golden javelins approached. The stranger aimed a dart far off into the distance and cast it beyond sight. Moments later, a distant rosy glow flared up as a tiny sun broke its dawn. Um, I know I say this a lot, but who is this guy? I mean, who just stands around all day throwing suns over the horizon? Yeah, the chameleon is right. This is not an acceptable way for a possibly divine being to spend all of its time. Stranger, I demand that you immediately identify yourself and tell us what the f*** you think you're doing. It would please my ears were you to call me Ildana. Many dawns are yet to come in this day. Tell me, fair travelers, which dawn you behold. The Ildana, you say? According to the old tales, Ildana, the son of the sun, stands on the plane of morning and hurls each and every dawn over every conceivable world. Though he is a godling worthy of serving in this honorable function, he does not embody the suns themselves. Instead, all the rising stars as beheld from every conceivable vantage point are housed in the javelins that he hurls into the skies. 
You state my function well, Traveler. I am the son of the sun, and I provide the first impulse for all dawns to break the horizon. Now, you have conquered all of your trials, setbacks, and contests. Which dawn would you behold this day? Oh! Can we go see what happened in Brex? That would be a great way for me to catch up on the party's history. I'm not sure that's such a good idea, Steve. From what I've heard, nothing very good at all happened when we visited Brex. Something about a former ally going bad and a city that slew all good-hearted people. I'd rather go back to the day I'd stuck that itching powder into King Oberon's leather athletic supporter as he was getting ready to visit Queen May in their marriage chamber. <laughs> Neither of those days suits my purposes. Oh, great caster of the Dawn Spears. We left Scotalia on the eve of Luz's feast in the seventh year of the reign of Her Majesty, Morag Cassini the 17th of Scotalia and Hellsnack. I had experiments that should have reached maturity four days after we left. I would prefer to return to the Swamp Pyramid outside of Oakvale three days after Luke's feast of the previously mentioned year. Yeah, that sounds pretty good. We've been wandering around the Potato Plain and the arena and the tower thingy for, what, like a year and a half now? Look, Vrickle's even learning to walk. And him's teething now. Me think it just teething, might be tusking now. Either way, it's time for wee little prince and give him raw leather for chew gums through. Yeah, you lady chest things pretty chewed up. But you queen of breastfeed, and you strength make sun strong too. Me only hope him also get you smarts, sweet tusk. I am so glad I'm not a mammal. I do not want a tiny beak anywhere near these things, whatever they're for. I'll have to ask my mom what they do when we get back home. My dad always sat there for storing water and calories like a camel. But he was a poor, uneducated kelp farmer whose wife was kidnapped by seals, so I'm not really sure he was right about that. I'm with Eminon. If we can get back to Oakvale before mid-August, then I can oversee the final harvest of the year. Let's go back to three days after we left. Your dawn is selected. The sun rises on this and every moon. Ildana selects a javelin of polished gold and aims it at some unseeable point. A strike of emptiness splits your vision in two as the suncaster is pierced by many rays of chaotic energies before finally being overtaken and subsumed by a pack of the hungry men. The javelin drops to the ground and begins rolling away from the sun god. Above you, a portal is open, and thousands of fallen imperial troops pour out. Make spot checks. Hey, I recognize him. That's the wingless elf that kept claiming to be the illegitimate son of the emperor. No, I'm pretty sure that's some other half-celestial, half-dragon, half-elf. Denarian had massive scars across his back from the surgical removal of his feather-decked dragon wings. Ah, how I wish I had met him before any of you did. Then I could have been the one to remove said appendages. Mm, I think you're a little off now, Rick. That's certainly Draken, but whatever has happened to his skin? It's all gray and sickly, but only around his torso and forearms. At the head of the Imperial Force marches Draeklin Denari, once heir to the Empire of Veladros and the Wadans. A chitinous exoskeleton has been grafted onto his skin, its segmented plates sliding hypnotically as he moves. He now sports a pair of crystalline feathered wings that catch and refract the light of a thousand dawns. He met our gaze with one baleful eye. This jogged my memory in some half-whispered way. I blinked, then took in my surroundings. Does that mean you're giving me a spot check? 
I suppose it does. The troops accompanying the young dragon wore the same uniforms as those who had harassed us in the tower. All of the soldiers sported empty eye sockets, and a hazy cloud of matterfog drifted away from each soldier. You? I never expected that I would meet you at this moment. Tell me, do you remember Gretchen? I can honestly say no to that question. What about you, Thorn? I've heard quite a few stories about that particular adventure, but no, I cannot honestly say that I can recall any of it firsthand. Adventure? Adventure? Your companions, all insufferable bastards, left me to be kidnapped by the Order of the Black End. They tortured me for months and used my blood to summon and bind the Entropites, but I held faith that my friends would save me. They showed me your arrival in Brecht break my spirit, and yet I held strong. But my fate shattered when Malbrethir erected a magical aura that slayed all good-hearted people, allowing my city to fall to corruption, decadence, and violence for over 600 years. Boring. Look, Drakey, we've all had tough times in the Wubliats, and you don't see us complaining about it. Twelve hells! I even passed through the necrotic cradle to create a better, less human version of myself. Yes, it was painful, but I have no complaints. Except that one, you're creating that black hole Threllis. Ah, uh, yes, the necrotic cradle. The Order of the Black Man dragged me to that filth ring for three years of service. I nearly lost all will and agency until I saw you round the corner in the cave. You simply watched Lifting not so much as a finger as the cultist broke me down to my component friends and rewove me to the police around the throat of their chaotic pet. But in the end, you saved me. Or rather, my hatred for you saved me. The sight of my friends doing nothing to end my torture kindled the last embers of will into a firestorm of rage. That alone spared me from the Black End's man. I sacrificed myself to remake myself that I might use the power of the Enterprise to destroy my betrayers and those who would aid and preach them. See, Steve? This is why we never told you about Brext. Because it would mean having to tell you about this self-centered jerk. Hoo-hoo-hoo. I'm Draklin, and I don't like when people look after themselves because I can't take care of myself first. <laughs> Whiny prince. Yeah, I kinda see what you mean. But you could have warned me that we might meet this guy sometime in our travels. Meh, not really worth the effort. I'd just as soon forget this guy ever existed. <laughs> I'll second that sentiment. At least we used to get a little bit of humor out of watching him set up the camp for us. Have you ever seen a palace-pampered amateur adventurer try to set up a tent? It's all poles and, ooh, help me, I can't get this enormous piece of canvas off from over my head. Humor? Well, they often provide me Here I stand, having amassed an army to scourge the empire of your sins. And you insufferable bastards show up just as I'm about to strike the final blow. Would that I had the time to kill you here too. Perhaps I should have Ildana send you home. Or perhaps you should settle that affair between yourself. Ildana bursts forth from the pile of demons, hurling them in every direction. He selects a javelin and casts it toward Draco. The missile hums as it streaks towards its target, but it suddenly stops. The javelin turns sideways, presenting itself to your faux-angelic foe. Draeklin grasps the javelin, and a sickly black tarnish spreads over its golden surface. Thank you, Lindana. Now you may begin your negotiations. Anybody care to make a spot check? Ah, oh, crap. Guys, our ride home doesn't have any eyes anymore. Draeklin stabs the air before him opening half the sky to reveal the crystalline city of Brex. Off in the distance, the smoke of battle rises from the plane of the god-killers, where your younger selves can currently fight to return home. 
As soon as the portal can fit a humanoid body through it, the howling horde of possessed and corrupted soldiers begins spilling out onto the battlefield that you barely escaped the first time. The knowledge burns my soul. The knowledge must be wiped clean and all memory shattered forever. Vildana, who had just been an ally moments before, selected four javelins from his quiver. The first spear dropped to the Suncaster's feet as he transferred two more into his left hand. His arm pistoned through the air, hurling the javelin from his right hand. Before it had found its winged green, fraggly target, Ildana had transferred another of the spears from his left. From there, he cast two more javelins, one from each hand, striking Torea and Maldreth. The godling clutched the final spear between his toes, then rolled into a handstand to kick and hurl the final missile at Steve. Oh, thank the great lizard for my species, natural contortionist ability. How are the rest of you guys? You'd better give me some will saves. The Ildana is now one of the intelligence-eating demons of the hungering end. Spirit of the swift wind and I stand fast. The will of the Warfather bolsters my own. As long as you ninny-hammers don't screw up my relationship with Makar, I should be safe from the likes of these demons. What about you, Vroggle? Are you okay? Vroggle is... be... ams... uh... were... uh... what you say? Vroggle forget already. Well... That isn't great. I think it's time for me to blend in with my surroundings and get a better vantage point. Steve drops to the floor and swiftly matches her color to the blindingly white landscape that takes up half of your vision. What takes up the other half? Lorimar displeased me back in the cave with the elementals, so his eyes have been confiscated for a week. Um, Catheran, don't you have another familiar? Uh, what happened to that moldy potato leg that you used to have perched on your shoulder? This place was too bright when I walked in, so I stuffed the potato ling into Sonome's skull. Right about now, it's searching my hoard of booty for a pair of hammered gold sun lenses. Well, in that case, Catheran, the bottom half of what we can now see is the same blindingly white background that this place started with. The top half is somewhat vertiginous, and disoriented. I turn my head to look up, and the perspective tells me that I should be falling downward into the burning streets of Brext. Well, I suppose if we did that, then we could go back in time and help ourselves escape to the Water Temple again. And maybe this time we can kill that faceless pirate before he becomes a long-running annoyance. Meanwhile, the majority of the fallen Imperial soldiers continues to flood through the gate. A small minority begins firing rays of destruction in all conceivable directions, instead of just the weird up-down firing paths through the Brexton gate. Most of the rays fire harmlessly into the distance, but three enemies take careful aim at Maldreth, Thorn, and Romain. As I stated before, the Warfather protects me, but one of these other two creatures. Uh, I'm... <coughs> good... If Romande's right about that army flying through the sky, there's way too much movement going on here. We'd better put a halt to some of that and organize ourselves for a moment. And what better way to stop an army than with a heightened, empowered, chaining old person? Now, Torea, while the way is clear, you and Spirit of the Swift Wind should go club that asshat Draklin in the back of the head with logic. Take Sir Gnome with you, in case you need to use him as a humanoid shield. At once, Lord Thrimlock. Come, Spirit of the Swift Wind. We charge into battle with our master's longest standing foe. Just a little closer, and we can... 
Drake. At the last possible second, Drakeland spins on his heel, lifting his left wing to defend his head from Torea's charging assault. In the same movement, he continues his spin and lifts his right wing to knock Torea from her saddle. Oof! How uncouth! Are you unharmed, spirit of the swift wind? Oh, it's fine, Torea. Spirit of the swift wind is crossing the pool and providing suitable cover so this dragoon doesn't see me when I cast energy drain. Thorn clings to the cinch on Torea's saddle as spirit of the swift wind continues his headlong gallop past Drakeland and toward the crushing mass of foes that are now trying to squeeze through their angelic general's gate. When the gap narrows enough, Thorn stretches out one arm, slapping a demon soldier across the faceplate. In that half-second of arcane sneak attack, the pixie's hand flares with a sickly off-white light that quickly envelops the enemy. The enchantment blossoms on the demon's cheek, quickly spreading to every corner of its body. Within moments, the Enterfight has achieved its ultimate goal, and all of its atoms cease movement. A pile of dust falls to the ground, to be quickly trodden over by thousands of armored boots. I do believe that Steve and Thorn have displayed the most prudent course of action. I shall follow their lead and hide myself safely behind Imanon, who is surely about to erect his cube of force. And while safely ensconced, I lift lute and voice in a song of courage that my allies might best this unwinnable situation. Roma. You know that part about hiding where you're not supposed to announce every action you take? And you know that other part where you're doubly not supposed to start singing about it? Oh, right. I forgot about that. Well, then I shall also quicken a crescendo of collaborative carnage. Romo feel inspired by Talkiev. Him stand up there and sing like he not know he going to die at any second. Brogle no get showed up by Talkiev. Brogle choose to die in shower of violence. Brogle wraps his thick green arms around Ethermother and their toddler son before launching into the... the... well... Perspective is weird in this place, so let's call towards Drakeland's portal, the sky, and away from Drakeland's portal, the ground. But, um, down from Vroggle and only white, it looked like cloud. And when Vroggle look up, me only see ground. It wrong ground since it pressed, but that definitely ground. So, Vroggle must already am in sky, right, Tucky Voice? Vroggle? Why you always get sidetracked? Us and go teach Quiggy for fight enemy first time ever, and you stop in middle of charge for talk to Big Voice about where at Sky? You right, Sweet Tusk. Neams need me more responsible now. Come, family. Us show Sun Throwy God how hard it be for escape King of Rage. Vroggle drops his wife five IL DMs from Ildana, and she hits the ground running. If her mother leaps toward the Dawncaster, catching him at unawares. Her left knee slams into the Sun God's nose, but the godly cartilage does not break. Before gravity begins to tug at her, she aims her right fist at his face, but Ildana manages to grab the wrist over the back of his head and slam the Orc Queen to the ground before him. Still prone, she kicks harmlessly at his chest. When Ildana voids to let the kick pass by, the terrifying Queen of Moms uses the momentum to leap back to her feet, smashing an elbow into his left cheek. While all of this is happening, Vroggle flies past the Dawncaster and somersaults in the air, landing in a crouch behind his enemy. Vroggle's legs coil as soon as his toes feel the ground, and once they're loaded, forward, bringing Bloodless, his merciful great axe, to strike behind Ildana's right ear, just as Ephraimother's elbow meets his left cheek. By the sword, shield, and spurs of Makar, the father of battle, may this landscape be made unhallowed. Now, Brother Caltrops, I believe you know what must come next in the name of war. Maldreth, you may want to give me a spot check before we see what the bear does. Well, now, I can see our past selves running up that street over there, and they're right above the Ildana. That's not even remotely what I wanted you to see. 
don't care. You may not have a body, but you have a voice, so you exist. That means that someday you'll die, and I will live on eternally to laugh at your misfortune of not having made yourself a lich. In any case, it looks like past we are coming to that T-junction that we couldn't decide to go left on. So I shall make our choice a little easier by chaining a quick and firestorm from Ildana to the rightward path. Well, that explains everything I ever wanted to know about Brext. Romande, what are you even talking about? I've asked you thousands of times to tell me about Brex, and now I'm even more confused than when I started asking. I had always wondered why that building suddenly burst into a column of flame that forced us to go left. And of course, left happened to be southeast and toward the water temple. It's called the Temple of Moon. Whatever it's called, it's ruined and crappy, and full of what must now be a foul-smelling fish god. I wouldn't know since I don't have a nose. And our younger selves are on our way there so we can get into this mess and all the nonsense in between. When you put it like that, then maybe you made the wrong choice. Perhaps you should have sent us to the right instead. Shut up, Imanon. If I had done that, then we'd have to start a long debate about the fundamental nature of the time stream and the heretofore unproven divergence of multiple parallel realities. I'm not happy with this reality, but I'm not letting it get replaced by a worse version with less effective copies of all of you. Now, Brother Caltrops, I believe you have the unhallowed floor. <laughs> Flicking Imperial Demonling stand between me and my favorite backscratching tree, Amor! The half-bear monk bounds into the closest group of hungry men soldiers, crushing one as he lands atop it. When the two demons beside the crushed, eyeless landing pad turn to react, Smid grabs each of them by the throat and smashes their heads together in an explosion of brains and blood. He then casts the foe in his left paw directly at another soldier, distracting her for the briefest moment until the limp body in his right paw came crashing down upon her twice in rapid succession. Smith lets go of the headless demon's collarbone to wrap his right arm around a fifth enemy, whose rodent-like head is quickly removed from its neck by the bear's crushing fangs. Well, the sun-thrower guy seems distracted by the family of orcs now. Tuxie, you help the bear out while I slide over to the sun guy for the old peck-peck. Roderick Fishball Head. I'll help out with the sun to join Romande's crescendo and three razor fish. Walk, 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 walk. Ildana is now surrounded on three sides by Issa, Ifermother, and Froggle, but he gives no sign of exhaustion or mercy. If he had eyes, he'd surely be seeing red right now. But his eyes are gone, along with his intellect, and soon the rest of him shall be gone as well. Go, my cadaver collector. I choose you to bring pulpy, sanguine destruction upon this metaphorical being. Meanwhile, I shall erect my killing force and seek to thin Drakeland's herd of hungering denizens. The nearest shall easily fall to a horrid wilting that accelerates its precious entropy. And the one that thinks it's sneaking up on Romande shall be consumed from the top down by its own head. That's disgusting. And how does that even work? Well, Penguin, it starts with a quickened eye bite. This will convert the demon's lash follicles into tiny teeth, which usually crunch eyeballs into vitreous and aqueous goo. But behold, this demon seeks the destruction of self above all, so it begins to turn inside out, passing all of its bones, muscles, and sinews through its empty sockets. As the horrible foodstuffs come through the hole, the lash teeth simply 
Mouches into oblivion. Disgusting. But super effective, I guess. Meanwhile, the cadaver collector closed the distance and took up a position that cut off two escape routes for our foe. The collector puffed upward, seeming to draw in breath, as silly as it sounds for a stone and dirt construct to breathe. That particular mystery was dispelled quite quickly, though, as a stream of grave soil and headstones erupted from the collector's chest, slamming into and flowing over Ildana, the son of the sun. The collector stepped forward, regathering the umbilicus between itself and the Dawncaster. When the two beings finally stood nose to chest, the Collector kept drawing inward until the Godling found himself trapped within the Construct's tomb-like trunk. Excellent work, Imanon. This young god should make a very pleasing sacrifice to the twin gods of Carnage. Of course it was excellent work, Father Maldrith. I am the Lord High Weaponer for the Multiplanar Empire of Voladros and the Uyad Ends. All of my creations are cutting edge and top of the line. In addition, they are available for purchase at vaguely reasonable prices if you simply scry into any of the Schnuder Necromancy Corporation's many customer service representatives. Schnuder Necromancy. We bring out the best in your dead. Um, Imanon? Was that just a commercial for your business? Indeed it was, Steve. Part of the bargain I struck with Catherine Dromonde involved a minimum level of advertisements and sponsors per episode. Shenuda Necro has in fact been one of the insufferable bastard's finest sponsors since... Well, since I met Imanand, I suppose. Okay. You guys are forgetting three extremely important things. The first thing is relatively easy. Give me some spot checks. Mighty father fought walk. Ildana dropped that spear when the hungering end arrived. I think that might be the one that takes us back to Scotalia. The javelin Ildana selected for you does indeed lie on the ground behind him. It still reflects the infinite light of its golden head, but the spearhead is slowly dulling and tarnishing as it sits near the entrophytes. The second thing you've forgotten is that you're still surrounded by about seven and a half thousand smaller demons who still want to unmake everything, both literal and metaphorical. Big deal. We've gotten the hang of killing this particular enemy, I think. So no number of eyeless goons should be much of an impediment. And if it turns out that you Cretanous parishioners cannot easily murder a few thousand demonically enhanced humanoids, perhaps Father Makar will finally set me free from the penance of being your pastor. Okay. Then you probably still want to know about the third thing. That one involves the cadaver collector. What could possibly be interesting or dangerous about my beloved cadaver collector? Especially now that the earthen construct in question has devoured a sun god whilst inhabiting a non-plane of metaphor and refracted truths. That's the interesting and dangerous thing right there. That being is responsible for the rising of every sun over every conceivable planet. Did you really think that anything you crafted would be able to absorb that much energy without being ripped in half from the inside? Ithermon, Vrogel, and Isa are each hurled ten feet back as the cadaver collector explodes. Dear gods on the rocks! Did you see that? The sun-throwing guy just punched his fingers through the cadaver collector's chest and tore his way out from the inside. Ah, the knowledge burns, as shall you, chameleon. Ildana strides forward with the patient fury of a schlocky murderer in one of Romande's terrible horror musicals. As his left foot brushes a scattered javelin, the gold on the tip tarnishes. He wraps his toes around the shaft of the weapon and kicks upward behind him, tossing the spear forward and over his shoulder. 
The Dawncaster catches the spear in his swift hands and aims three rapid thrusts at Steve. Whoa, whoa, back up! Full defensive action! Parry, parry! Come on, Knights! Don't fail me now! Meanwhile, Drakeling's rabble of demonically enhanced soldiers continues flooding through the gateway to utterly destroy the Crystal City of Brest. Well, most of them continue flooding. At least three of them have stopped to turn their attentions toward your party and its audacity to exist. All of the foes spray rays of chaotic energy in whatever direction they happen to be facing. Imanon, Romande, and Steve are in particular danger. Nothing passes through my cube of falls. And what about the bard and the lizard? Are you guys okay? No! I've just been hit with a ray of disintegration, and this eyeless god demon thing is still thrusting at me. Oh. Look, guys, I'm not so sure we're really up to this task. I mean... That's a sun god right there. It's just had some sort of traumatic experience that's made it even more dangerous than if we had attacked him ten minutes ago. I think our only way out of here is that Scatalia spear. And to ensure that we have an easier time getting to it, I shall erect a heightened, extended, maximized prismatic wall! Grimlock dances his hands through the air, channeling the arcane energies woven throughout all realities, and a mile-long, half-mile-high wall of swirling colors reaches forth, creating a third zone in your visual fields. And there! Now the bulk of that army can't get to us without going the long way around. I don't think I've forgotten about you, Sun Guy. I have a quickened walking prismatic eye to take care of you! Two and a half seconds later, his prismatic eye appears in the air between Ildana and the Scotalian Sun Spear, cycling its iris through all nine of the colors that elves can see. As the eye's four spider-like legs touch the blindingly white ground, its iris ceases its cycling, and a ray of orange energy bathes the Dawncaster in torrents of acid. Now, Torea, if you grab the key spear and get us home, then I promise to make Spirit of the Swift Wind permanently able to fly. At once, Lord Thrimlock, the fate of Mandos seems to have preserved the timeline of Brext. Let us pray that the Lord of Hidden Paths does not end our journeys here. Spirit of the Swift Wind makes a wide loop around the battlefield, returning to his Lady Knight. He doesn't even slow as he passes the paladin, but this proves no difficulty for the plate-armored warrior, who catches her steed's reins and slides a foot into a stirrup more swiftly than it takes Romande to break into song. Hey! She hangs low from the flank of her steed, with one hand outstretched to catch the javelin when they pass it. What gives? I thought I was being good this time. If you do not apologize, then I shall write a satire so scathing that you will never be able to show your face in any reality ever again. Um, Romande, you're talking to a giant disembodied voice. Oh, right. Well, I guess that means that at some point in the future, we will meet the still-embodied version of this voice. And that means that I already have shall been victorious in this venture of revenge. We'll see about that. Torea, you may want to look where you're going. Romande distracted me. What do you mean, voice? Spirit of the Swift Wind and I are heading directly to the single object that has been promised to return us home since we left for Hycon. And Lord Thrimlock has already secured the area around said object. You're not steering correctly, Torea. Spirit of the Swift Wind is taking you right past Ildana, and he's just finished thrusting at Steve. No dawn shall rise again. The son of the sun rejects his father and all fathers before him. May distribution reign. Ildana times his attack to strike Torea squarely in the midsection as she passes by him. He clotheslines her with the intensified force generated by the collision of two moving bodies. Torea hits the ground hard, knocking the wind from her. 
the hungering demons closest to Torea break their attention from the massive portal in the sky and toward the stricken palace. So, Gnome, if Torea dies here, then I'll know it's your fault. You're probably angling to become my paladin bodyguard, aren't you, Sodome? Yes, Master. I accept all culpability. But no, Master. I have no desire to be your escort, sir. Ooh, Talia, maybe those demons will leave you alone if they're probably distracted by some scorching rays. Oh, restoration. Ha-ha. That's much better. I have the spear that shall take us home. Lady Issa, catch! Ha! Got it, Terea. Now I'll just give this god the old peck stab. Whatever you do, please do not use that spear as a weapon. Why, Penguin, not should use spear for intended purpose, Rabbit Face? Because, you thick-skulled she-orc. These javelins were never meant to find a target so close to their origin. Why do you think reality needed a god to shepherd the Spears of Dawn? Only a god has the strength to throw a sun far enough away for nobody to be consumed by it. Yeah, and that asshole Draklin screwed up the skyscape here by opening a time portal right above us. And if any part of the two portals overlaps, then we're in for some real trouble. Trouble like we might accidentally fuse Oakvale with Brex, destroying both planets and both timelines. Gotcha. Do not hit this guy with the spear. But how are we supposed to get home then? By employing basic planar geometry, Penguin. We just need to be sure that the javelin lands perpendicular to the existing portal, so that the second portal is parallel to the first. No intersection, no problem of ruining time. Wow, that sounds... hard. I'm not really sure I can get it that precise. How far away from the current portal do we have to be to do this the safe way? See how far it is to the horizon, where the Brext portal meets the ground? We need to go at least twice as far as that. Or you simply need some guidance and inspiration. Fortunately, my song is now reaching its crescendo! Go, my insufferable bastards! Work together and check each other's maths that we might be able to go back to the version of home we desire! Meh. Can't argue with the soundtrack. Hey, Ephraim, mother. Catch! Uh-oh. Look like Noah's God wants fear back. That okay. Me know how to just a blood end of stick. If her mother whirls the sun-tipped javelin in her hands like a staff, striking Yildana thrice in swift success. This catches the enemy's full attention, and he grasps snatchingly at the weapon. Blinky, this game called Monkey in Middle. If any friend ever try make you monkey, then take them out at me. But if you not monkey, then you throw to friend so monkey no get whatever you keep away. Hey, Rappy Face! Here's spear! You witless she-orc, you're almost as bad as your husband. Nothing passes through my cubal force from that side. However, this side allows the passage of many things, not least of which are antipode charges of lightning bolts and quicken polo rays. That will teach you to destroy my cadaver collector. The eyeless Ildana breaks off from the melee as soon as Ifermother throws the javelin, provoking many attacks of opportunity from Robert, Sasteve, and Ifermother. He does not slow as he charges headlong into Imanon's torrents of lightning and ice. Ugh. I suppose it falls to me to keep the key away from this godless fuck. Um, he... Already a god, Maldrith. And as such, he does not pray, so he has no gods of his own. Oh, Makar, who is the best god, has proven through many wars against lesser beings. Please bless this humble battle and set a barrier of blades between me and my foe. Here, Tuxedo Beak, you take this sunforged armament and see that it gets to Vrago. It offends me the least when he takes to the air to fly. I once walked around. Let me just free up a flipper or two by throwing all of these razor fans. As the knowledge destroys me, I shall destroy you. 
and the knowledge gathers shall I disperse. The sickening sun god passes through Maldreth's blade barrier, seemingly unfazed by the thousands of cuts that have blossomed over his gray skin. Oh, what? Master Caltrop's catch! You idiot! I told you to throw to Bravo! Ugh, I'll start preparing the flagellum for your penance. <sighs> kind of busy with all these good dragoons and lancers! Let me just clear some room! said you don't know how to catch. Robo King of Catch! Well, okay. Friggle King of Catch. But Robo's still very good for catch. Especially with me wing. Hey, Sun Guy! You say you door? You say you lock? Then Froggle open you with Sun Spear Key! Froggle plummets down from the sky directly toward Ildon. King of Distance Hick aims an awesome blow that knocks his enemy directly downward to leave the godling sprawled on the blindingly white ground. Froggle then lands atop the shoulders of the Suncaster and raises the sun-tipped spear high above his head, with the point hanging downward over the enemy's face. For a long second, they pause in his tablet. A winged half-orc sitting atop the sun dial, in front of a terrible double background all of rest and the combat in the space between the night and the dawn. Oh, it's really too bad that nobody here paints. Uh, does anybody have a picture box at least? Nope. I've never even seen a picture box. Uh, maybe. Somewhere in Sir Gnome's head, if anywhere. I can't use picture boxes. The flippers can't quite hold on to the box and hit the buttons at the same time. I prefer to keep memories. Well, I thought I'd ask since it's such a striking scene. Oh well, Froggle, take us home, Majesty. Froggle King of Home! Froggle thrusts the spear down into Hildana's left eye socket, pinning his head to the ground. Almost immediately, the spear's energies flood out and you all fall through the floor. You tumble back into regular time space. Landing in a pile in a dimly lit wooden structure of some sort. Any sign of the fallen god or the spear that he gave us to get home? None whatsoever. Was this, in fact, the correct spear? Are we back in Scotalia three days after the whole potato incident? Well, this is Scotalia, at least. This is my curing shack. Back on the Bear Industries farm. Hey look, the sun's coming up. Wait, your planet has two suns? One pale green and one red? Um, not usually. We have three moons, but one of those is actually an egg that's going to hatch and destroy the world someday. At least, that's what the wise penguin used to tell us in End of the World School. But no, just one sun, usually, and it's sort of yellowy green. This bodes ill for all of us, everywhere. Visit the 20-Sided Theater online at 20sidedtheater.com and follow us on Twitter through the scryomagical links that Masters Shenuda and Thrimlock have established. You can follow Romande at Illustrious Row, Master Shenuda at Shenuda Necroco, Thrimlock at at Thrimlock, and the Lady Issa Featherfoot at at Lady Featherfoot. The 20-Sided Theater is a joint production of Bear Industries and the Shenuda Necromancy Corporation. This episode stars 
Gabriel Abenante, Natalie Abenante, Blake Parker, Harry Quatrin, Kian Quatrin, and Rory Quatrin. With special thanks to Jonathan Abenante, Sierra Ciramelli Lowe, and Michael Solso for the use of their player characters. Written by Rory Quatrin and edited by Blake Parker. Music by Ben Duncan. Dawn of Neptune. Digitex. Fiery. Stephen O'Brien. Yuzmaye. And VCMG. For a complete list of and links to all the Creative Commons music you heard on tonight's episode, visit the show notes at 20sidedtheater.com. Rate, review, and subscribe to the 20 Sided Theater through iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or your favorite scrycasting application. Be sure the reviews are favorable, or Thrimlock will send Terea on a quest to stuff you through the portal into Sir Gnome's head. Join us next time at the 20 Sided Theater. to all forces in the field, to all strike teams, to our allies, and to our enemies. Sound and star, the holy city of Volantris, and the weekend is under attack. The ongoing end has returned, and our knights and magi are not enough to hold back the flood. If they take the gateways in the harbor, then all is lost. They will ravage and consume all walls that our empire has touched. Whether you love us or hate us, you must send your armies. You can kill us all later if you get the chance. We at least would die knowing that there will be 